If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, today we're looking at verses 15 through 24. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 through 24. And if you do not have your Bible, then you can turn in the Pew Bible to 905, page 905 in the Pew Bible. And if you do not have your own Bible, then just take that pew Bible, and that's our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and use it for your benefit. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 through 24, we are drawing to the very end today as our last message in 1 Corinthians. So uh, it took 62 sermons, but uh, here we are, we're at the end of it. And uh, 62 sermons in, what, a year and a half? And so uh, that's, that's pretty good. But we are drawing to the end. And today we are looking at this title, Defined by Love. Defined by Love. A key mark of an unhealthy church, an unhealthy church, is the lack of love. The key mark, a key mark of an unhealthy church is the lack of love. It's lovelessness, right? And we've seen a lot of that in 1 Corinthians, in the church at Corinth here that Paul is writing to. At the very beginning of the book, he, he started writing to them, and he was addressing, addressing factionalism, divisions within the church, right? They were fighting over leadership. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. And I, and the most holy ones, I follow Jesus, right? Uh, and, and so they were dividing up into these groups. I, I follow this person and that person and this other person. And so there were all these divisions within the church. Furthermore, there was this kind of, uh, uh, there was partiality in the church. Partiality that was taking effect and, and tearing apart the church. Uh, you had the, the people as they were, would gather together on, on Sundays for worship. Uh, you had the more affluent members of the church. They were separating themselves from the common folk, right? They were going over here, and they, they had this big hall that they were, they were throwing a party in, and they were eating all the best meat and all the best wine and all of this, and they were kind of giving the leftovers to the poor folk, and they were separating themselves off. There, there was this spirit of partiality in the church, and so there's this division. There's this, this sense of lovelessness that's taking place in the church and so one of paul's big big things that he is addressing is, is love this is not how you're supposed to be it's not supposed to be lovelessness but the church is to be marked by love a healthy church is a loving church it's a church that's marked by love in fact that's what we see today a mark of a healthy church is love. The church should be defined by our love. And so as Paul moves to his final salutation, he kind of brings this out once again. He, he wants to end with this kind of spirit, this spirit of love and building love and unity within the church so what we learn from paul's message today from his final greeting as he ends this letter is let love define the church let love define the church and here he alludes to four loves that should define the church 
So that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see four loves that should define church, that should define our church. You know, I want First Bastrop to be known for her love. I want First Bastrop to exemplify these four loves and go beyond that. So let First Bastrop be defined by love. Let us live out love and our fellowship together. So if you found your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus, Fortunatus and uh, Achaicus because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla, Prisca, uh, together with the church and their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. <clears throat> now, as we begin to look at these four loves uh, that should define the church, we should note that they are not in, in, in any order of priority. They're not in an order of priority. Paul is just kind of, he, he's not making a list of this love, that love, and the next love. But we, we just kind of are able to discern them from his salutation, this closing salutation. So note as we go through here, it's not, you know, number one is not the first priority, number two, second, there's no order of priority here. But we just notice that these loves should mark the church. So the first love that we see here is let the church be defined by her love for godly leaders. Let the church be defined by her love for godly leaders. Or better yet, let the church <clears throat> be defined by her love for local church leaders. That, that might be the better way of putting that. The lo local church leaders. Uh, because the problem here <clears throat> at Ephesus was that they were, they were kind of looking at the superstars of the faith, right? They were looking to, I follow Apollos. He's the superstar, right? He's the superstar preacher. I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. He's the superstar missionary. I follow Peter or Cephas. I follow, follow him, right? Because he was, he was with Jesus and, and the uh, holy of the holy. He's like, oh, well, I just follow Jesus. He's my man. They were, they were looking to the superstars of the faith. But now Paul brings their attention. Don't look at the superstars, right? Because they're off doing their, their thing, right? They're off doing their thing where God has, has put them to serve. Look to your local leaders. And he, he 
demonstrates that here in our first couple of verses. Now I urge you, brothers, know that you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Asia, or, or Achaia, excuse me, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Now, by bringing this out, we, we understand, first of all, that uh, in the new t- this you know, first century church there, the church in, in Corinth, the church throughout the, the, the world at that point in time, they didn't gather like we gather. We're all gathered here in this big building, and we come here every Sunday together, and, and we do our thing as the church. But they were all house churches. Right? They didn't have a building to go to. Whoever had a big enough house to host 15 to 30 people, hey, let's, take a, let's make a church there, right? Because you have the room. You have the space to gather a good number of people. And so and when we think about the church in Corinth, as Paul is writing to this church, it's not just one big church, but it's several house churches throughout the city, throughout the area that he's writing to. And Stephanus he knows that this guy was the, one of the first converts there in the area. And, and he brings out this fact that he, he and his household were the first converts. And so what he is pointing to is, is this is the first church, right? This is the first church that was established in the area. And most likely, I mean, he doesn't bring this out, but most likely, and we can kind of see this from the character of Stephanus and what Paul says about Stephanus. He was likely the, the pastor of that house church. He was a leader there in that house church. And so as Paul is telling them, hey, you need to, to listen to this guy. You need to, to submit to him and, and respect him. As he is bringing this out, he is saying, you need to look to your local leaders. Quit looking to Paul because I'm over here in Ephesus doing my thing. I'm not there with you on the ground. I'm not in the trenches with you in Corinth. I don't know the things that you're dealing with. So, so don't look to me. Look to Stephanus and, and other leaders like him in the church. Don't look to Apollos because he's out there doing his thing in another place. Don't look to Peter because he's off doing his thing. Jesus is in heaven. He's our our head, right? But but he's not with you. You need to, to look to your local leader, the one whom God has put over you to shepherd you and guide you. You need to look to him. You need to love him and submit to his leadership. And, you know, this is one of those hard passages where it is for me as a pastor to to preach because I'm saying this about me, right? Because I'm the shepherd of this flock. But that's the good thing about preaching the way I preach because I I can't just skip over it because it's a little uncomfortable for me. I've got to cover this. And and so we're going to cover this. But, like, you might look to, you know, I follow David Jeremiah. I follow Charles Stanley. I follow John MacArthur because these are the superstars of the faith. We see them on TV. Brother Richard's not on TV. I mean, he's a pretty good old boy and all, but you know, you know John MacArthur, right? But John MacArthur's not in Bastrop. He doesn't know what you're going through. He's not in the trenches with you. He's not involved in your life. If he was here, that would be one thing, but he's not. I'm the one God has sent to you. I'm your pastor. I'm your your leader. I'm the one whom God has placed to be here, to love you and guide you in the faith the best I can. 
And so you need to love your local church leaders. Whether it's me or somebody else, you, you need to love that person and, and revere them. And so how do you love your local church leader? Well, Paul indicates a couple of ways here. First of all, through loving submission. Loving submission, submission to his leadership. Notice what he says there. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. Be subject to them. In other words, be, be submissive to their leadership. Be submissive to their leadership because God's given the local pastor a special responsibility to lead the flock, to guide you. That's my task. My task is to guide you in the Word of God and, and in the will of God the best that I possibly can. Now, I know I make mistakes, right? I make mistakes. I'm human. I'm fallible. I'm not perfect. I admit that. I make mistakes. But as long as I'm trying my best to lead you in a godly way, lead you according to the will of God revealed to us in Scripture, then submit to that leadership. Submit to that leadership. Now, you might not always agree, right? and that's okay. It's all right to not agree with the pastor. It's okay to not agree with, with whoever, whatever leadership within the church. It's okay to disagree. That's fine. And there are ways to, to kind of communicate that disagreement, and we can talk about it and, and discuss it and, and maybe change some things. that you, We can kind of give and take, that kind of thing, make some co compromises. But in the end, the pastor must lead. The pastor must lead. Somebody's got to lead. And the pastor, he's the guy who's been given that task. And let me just say, say, you will not have to stand before Christ and give an account for my leadership of this church. You don't have to, but I do. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who ha will have to give an account. As those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with, and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I mean, this verse in Hebrews keeps me up some nights because I know that one day I'm going to have to stand before Christ and give an account for how I led the churches that he has called me to pastor. I will have to give an account for my leadership in First Bastrop. You won't have to stand there. You won't have to give an account of it, but I will. So submit to godly leadership. Be in submission. Love your, your, your godly pastor, your, your local pastor, by submitting to his leadership. And then... Second, loving respect. Love him through loving respect. Give recognition, he says there in verse 18. Give recognition to such people. I, I think that means more along the lines of, of respect them, right? Honor them. Respect them. Give them some reverence because of their position within the church. Now, this is absolutely countercultural. I mean, that's the whole point of 1 Corinthians. It's to be countercultural, and that's kind of been the, the theme of the whole study that we've gone through. And we've seen over and over again how Paul is calling Christians to, be, to live countercultural, 
right? The culture says, do this thing. The culture says, you need to live this way. But, but God says, no, you need to live my way. You need to do life my way. And, and this is a countercultural thing, especially in our day and time. Because let's just look at our culture. Culture has no respect for a leadership. Especially in our day and time, more and more and more, there's no respect. There's no, there's no respect for our local pastors. There's no respect for our lo- local police officers, our local uh, city governments or county officials. There's no, no respect for even the president of the United States. I mean, I, I remember as a kid growing up, you might disagree with the president. He, he might not have been your first choice or whatever, but people respected him. They respected him because of the office that he was in, but that's not in our culture today. Our culture makes it a, a priority to disrespect people, to not give people respect, but to remove respect, right? To, to downgrade everyone, but that's not to be the church. The church is to love and respect godly leaders. Especially those leaders who God has given to to lead the local church. Respect them, honor them. For nothing else, for the position, the, the office to which they hold. Love godly leaders. Love local church leaders. Let the church love godly local church leaders and revere the office to which they have been appointed. So let the church be defined by her love for godly leaders and two, let the church be defined by her love for godly laborers. Let the church be defined by her love for godly laborers. And Paul makes this clear here in our text as well. He says there, in fact, in in verse 16 be subject to such as these and every fellow worker and laborer and then he goes on and says i rejoice at the coming of stephanus and fortunatus that's a mouthful fortunatus and achaicus because they have made up for your absence for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours give recognition to such people. Now, Paul is talking about the situation that, that has happened. Uh, the Corinthian church has just sent these three men to Paul. These are messengers from the church. They, they, they brought this letter from the, the church at Corinth along with some other stuff, and they've come to Paul. And so that's what Paul is talking about. He has received them, and, and they have just refreshed his soul. These are laborers in the work of the gospel and they have refreshed him. And so through these three men, they are refreshing Paul, who is a fellow laborer in the work of the gospel. And so we're called to to love godly laborers, faithful laborers, those who have been called to the the ministry of the gospel, not necessarily, but not exclude, but, but not necessarily just those within our congregation, but those without as well. Love godly missionaries, those who are out there on the fields, out there in the field doing missions, whether North American missions or international missions, love those missionaries. Love them. Love our our denominational heads, those who are serving uh, in the SBC at the national level, those who are working out there and kind of organizing and help lead our convention. 
uh, love those denominational leaders in our state. Love people like uh, those who work at the children's home, right? They're, they're not a part of our church, but they're doing uh, a mission for God, loving children and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Love those who are faithful laborers to the gospel ministry. We're called to love them. Now, how do we love them? Well, we love them by sending physical support. Love them by sending physical support. That's what Corinth has done. The church at Corinth, they sent these three men to Paul to refresh him, to be physical support. And so there's Paul out there on the field in Ephesus, and he's doing his missionary thing. He's planting churches here, there, and yonder, and, and all of that. And here comes these three young guys, and they're refreshing him by helping him, at least for a little while. Right? They're, they're working for a little while alongside Paul, and, and they're getting things done that he hasn't been able to do because he's only one man, right? And, and now there are four of them, and so they're able to get more done. And so that physical support. Man, our church has been, been faithful of this in the past. Of course, this past year we, had, we couldn't send anybody out because of COVID, but, but in the past we've, we've sent out mission teams. And how important that is. Some people don't like sending out mission teams, but that's an important part of the ministry of the church, to send out mission teams, to go help missionaries on the field. I remember our first trip to Boston. We helped Kevin, our, our church planner up there, and, and Kevin was, was planning a church there in Waltham, a little part of Boston, a little subsection of Boston. And, and so here he was in Waltham, and he was planning a movie night, a he was going to show, I think it was Nemo, it was the movie that he was going to show, but, but it was a, a movie night in the park for his community. That way he could get to know them, he could communicate with them and start to build a relationship with some of the people in that community in which he was planning on planning this church. And so he had, he had planned on this movie night in the park and there was going to be a movie and there was going to be games for the kids and all of these kinds of things and there was going to be chances to kind of Communicate the gospel, share the gospel with as many people as he possibly could. But, but he had this, this city of, or this little area of thousands of people, right, living in this part of Boston, and he had to get the word out. And so our team went in, and one of the things that we did while we were there were we handed out invitations to this event coming up that next weekend, and we handed out over a thousand invitations your little old group from First Bastard, we went up there and handed out over a thousand invitations to this night in the park. And now while we were doing that, that enabled Kevin to go out and, and take care of some other stuff that he needed to get done, make sure permits were, were where they needed to be so that the event could go on without any, any hiccups. And so we did all of that. And then the next week, we, we kind of left at the end of that week just before the the, the night in the park and then uh, we kind of overlap with another group who came in and, and they helped him by going out into the park and, and they ran sound and they ran the the games and all of that kind of stuff freeing Kevin up to enjoy time with the people of the community get to know people in the community build up conversations and and begin to build relationships with those people that he was trying to build a church in their community and you see, what a wonderful benefit. If it were just Kevin, he would have never been able to pull all of that off on his own. But because mission teams came in from other churches, loving him, 
supporting him physically, he was able to do so much more. How important it is for us to send out physical support to help our missionaries. And we did a similar thing in, in, in New Orleans a couple of years ago. So that's such an important thing. We need to send physical support. Second, we send spiritual support. Now this is probably the most important. Send spiritual support. Paul notice here, notices here that uh, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. They refreshed my spirit. They came and they refreshed my spirit. Now how do they refresh his spirit? Well, one, by giving him encouragement. Right? Giving him encouragement. Hey, the church at Corinth, they love you and they want to encourage you and what you're doing here. It's giving that encouragement. How important it is to communicate encouragement to our missionaries. We, we kind of miss out on this, I think, a lot. We, we kind of get kind of disassociated with our missionaries or whatever. They go off and, and we kind of lose track of them and, and we, make, we keep that card on our refrigerator or whatever to kind of remind us of them, but we don't communicate with them. But what a wonderful thing to have some correspondence with them, to write a letter, send a text, an email, have a little phone call just to encourage them, just to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you and what you're doing, and I want to encourage you in your gospel ministry. Encourage them, but not only encourage them, but also pray for them. Pray for them. This is so key. Our missionaries cannot do the work that they do without our prayers. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Paul, talking to the church there, says, Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful uh, in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So if Paul says, pray for me. Right? Pray for me that as I go out and, and preach the gospel to this lost community, that I would be able to preach clearly and effectively. That I would be able to have clear communication. Communicate the gospel in such a way that people can hear it, understand it, and receive it. Pray. Boy, don't just take that prayer card. We have these prayer cards that we get of our missionaries, and, and we've got... Uh, pictures of our missionaries out here on our wall uh, don't don't just kind of look at it and, and then pass on by take those things look at them put them up somewhere put them in where, where you you spend time with the lord and pray for those missionaries put them on your prayer list pray for them that god would use them in a mighty way man your prayers can do more for our missionaries than your money can pray for them pray for them so we support them by sending physical support and through spiritual support, but we also support them by sending financial support, by sending financial support. That's so important, right? That's important. They're out there, and, and a lot of them are living on pennies. And, and what they bring in from churches sending them uh, 
offerings or whatever. That's how they support their family. That's how they support their ministry. That's how they get things done. We need to send our financial support. Now, the ways that we often send our financial support is through uh, Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and all of these Easter offerings. We send support through the cooperative program as we give 10% of our offerings go to the cooperative program. And so we support them through that as well. So give to the love offering for Jesus. Give your tithe to our, our normal offering and you will support missionaries. From time to time, you might be called to support in other ways and support through other financial gifts. I think about Brother Wade Aiken and Miss Barbara when they come by, right? They come through and we support Pioneer, Mich uh, Pioneer Missions, their mission uh, endeavor through giving when they come. And some of you support them monthly, I think. So you give in other ways. However God leads you to give, send support. Support those missionaries. Support them physically when, when able. Whether you're, whether you're going yourself or you're helping to send some of us to go. Support by sending physical support. Support them by spiritual support. Sending spiritual support. Just encouraging them and praying for them and support them financially by giving from what God has blessed you with. You know, in VBS, we studied missions and missionaries. That was one of my favorite parts of, of VBS when I was growing up. Uh, we had a, a, a teacher who was great at it. She would have this whole department, and, and she would decorate it like we would have a focus. Like one year, it was on a missionary in Brazil. I forget his name, but I remember being focused on this guy in Brazil, and, and she decorated the whole room up in Brazil type of a, a thing, right? There were vines hanging from the ceiling and all this kind of stuff, and, and we would go in, we'd study about this missionary, and, and she would feed us food like beans and stuff that, that they would normally eat, and, and so I was always looking forward to mission time in VBS, and, and I can always remember like the missionaries, they were like my heroes, right? They were like the super men of, uh, super men and women of, of Christianity. And, and, and a part of me was like, man, I wish I could be a missionary. That'd be cool, right? I wanted to do that. Well, God didn't call me to be a missionary, not out there on the field. He called me to be a pastor. But you know what? Even as a pastor of a local church and you as a member of a local church, when you support our missionaries, it's just like you're there with them. You're right there with them. By supporting them physically, spiritually, and financially, you are there with them, doing the work side by side with them. You're a part of their mission and their ministry. Support. Support those faithful laborers out there on the field working to advance the gospel support our godly laborers so let the church love godly laborers it is the love this kind of love that advances the kingdom mission through this love we love our world through the gospel of jesus christ as we send out those faithful laborers with the gospel so let the church Love godly leaders, godly laborers. And third, let the church be defined by her love for fellow Christians. 
Let the church be defined by her love for fellow Christians. You get this in this final little greeting there. Verses 19, uh, look at verses 19 there, 19 and 20. The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and, Pris and Prisca, Prisca uh, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. The church should be defined by her love for fellow Christians, fellow members of the faith. Uh, first of all, notice here that it's a, a love for the global church. A love for the global church. That's uh, those Christians who aren't just like us, right? They're, they're not here. They may be a different color. They may be of a different race. They may be from a different part of the world, but we love them. This is evident when he, he talks about all of the brothers and sisters in Christ there in Asia sending their greeting, right? Their, their, their love for the church in Corinth. Uh, that's that's how the we love one another through this kind of a hospitality this love for one another greeting one another having a, a a desire to be with one another and see one another thrive in the faith there should be a love for the global church those who are outside of this church to love them and care for them and and want god's best for them there's a love for the global church and there's a love for the local saints greet one another with a holy kiss now we need to make sure we understand that right this is contextual so paul is talking in a, a time where it was the norm to greet people with a kiss and you've seen this on the movies and other cultures and other countries that it's still kind of the thing to do. You go up and you greet someone with a, a kiss on the cheek and that was kind of the same thing. That doesn't fly here in America. So guys, don't be going up greeting other women with a holy kiss. That's not right. In our culture, if Paul was writing today, he would say something like greet each other with a holy handshake or, or maybe a holy hug. Uh, but but we kind of we don't do that kissing thing anymore. That's all right, unless it's your wife or your mama. Keep your lips to yourself. But the idea is the same. We 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 love one another, right? We love one another, and, and we want to greet one another and, and show our love and our concern for one another. So whether it's a handshake or a hug, we we greet one another. And show our love for one another, express our love for one another. And it doesn't just stop with this, this kind of a, a greeting thing. There, there's a deep love for, for each other. This is just the starting point, right? This is kind of the starting point. We show Christian hospitality. That, that's the, the open door to our love for one another. But that certainly should be a mark of the church. The church should be hospitable hospitable to, to our local fellowship and hospitable to those outside of our local fellowship. You know, one way that we do express love for fellow Christians is through this Christian hospitality. We show and grow in our love for one another in this local church when we host one another in our homes to share a meal together, share a time of fellowship, what a great time to grow in fellowship, to love one another, to bear 
one another's burdens, to talk about our concerns through Christian fellowship. And by the way, you're going to have a, a, an opportunity to, to show Christian hospitality later on this summer. Towards the end of the summer, we're going to have a Sunday night dinner parties. And so we're going to be looking for some people who have the gift of hospitality to open their homes. And we're going to, we're going to go out and, and we're going to gather together in different homes and share meals together and experience this Christian hospitality. So, so get ready when the sign-up sheet comes out. Sign up and get on that list whether it be at a host home or, or just being a part of those fellowships, sign up so that we can demonstrate our hospitality for one another, our love for one another. But we love one another and we care for one another. Furthermore, when we have fellow Christians come in to, to visit from wherever else in the world, we, we should welcome them with Christian hospitality. Think about Christy from Romania. He and his family came and we welcomed them into our fellowship and heard their story and, and we supported them and their mission. Maxim from the Jews for Jesus, the, the guy from Russia, from Moscow, Russia, who comes and has shared with us a couple of times the, the, the Christ of the Passover. And we've welcomed him in and, and shown him hospitality in First Bastrop. And of course, our precious orphan, orphans from Ghana, Africa, when they came in, many of you opened your homes to them and, and gave them a place to stay while they were here in our area. And what great hospitality. And, and let me just say, this church is known for her hospitality. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that as a pastor. I am. I'm proud of that. I think it's all right to be proud of that. But all of our guests that have ever come through here have left saying, man, your church is such a loving, hospitable church. They've made us feel so welcome. Keep it up, church. Keep it up. Demonstrate your love for fellow Christians by demonstrating Christian hospitality. So let us be defined by our love for fellow Christians. Let the church be defined by our love for godly leaders godly laborers, fellow Christians, and last but definitely not least, let the church be defined by her love for Christ. Let the church be defined by her love for Christ. In the last couple of verses there, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul brings out here that a defining mark of the church is her love for Christ. And first of all, that is a saving love. It's a saving love. If anyone, if anyone Paul says, has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. I want you to know, dear friend, today, if you don't have a love for Christ, you are accursed. If you're living outside of a love for Jesus Christ, you are accursed. You are living in your sins. You are damned. And if you continue to, 
to have no love for Christ, you will go to hell. Or you will pay the full penalty for your rebellion against the Holy God. The only way of salvation is to look to Jesus, to love Him, to fall in love with Him. He first loved you. He loved you and He gave Himself up for you. He came and, and lived a life of perfect obedience to His Father's will. And though He was without sin, He went to Calvary's cross and He died for you. He gave His life for you. He loved you and died for you. And He invites you into a relationship. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. All of you who are buried under the burden of sin and guilt. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. Look to Jesus. Love Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. And He will save you. The first mark of a Christian is love for Jesus Christ. Faith and surrendering to Him. Surrender to Christ today. Love Christ. It is a saving love, but it's also a longing love. It's a longing love. There, there's a, a desire to be with the Lord. I love this. Our Lord, come! Paul says, Our Lord, come! Come, Lord Jesus, come. We want to be with you. We want this life to be over. We want to be in your presence. We want to be in your kingdom. Your kingdom, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, do you long for Jesus? Do you long in your relationship with Him? If you miss a morning to be with the Lord, to spend time in His Word, to spend time in prayer? Does your heart ache a little? Do you long to be with the Lord? Do you want to be in His presence? When this world, the weight of this world, and all the, the trials that we face day in and day out, whether it be this sinful world, this atmosphere that we live in, or whether it be physical health uh, issues, whatever the case may be, when you feel the burdens of this world, do you long, Lord Jesus, come, I want to be with you, I want to be in your kingdom. It's a longing. Oh, a Christian longs to be with Jesus, longs to be with Christ. He is their all in all. He is everything. Do you long to be with Jesus? Do you long for Him? Oh, let your life be defined by a love for Jesus Christ. If you've never surrendered to Him, surrender today. Love Him. If you're a Christian, make sure, long for Him. Man, make sure that He's such a part of your life that being with Him it's such a part of your life that if you miss a time with Him, if you miss moments with Him, you miss something. 
I mean, think about that even in our own families. When we spend time with our loved ones, we like to be with them. And, and if we go away for a week or so, I mean, we might like it for a day or two, but, but eventually we want to be back with them, right? We want to be with them and, and love them. We don't want to be, we get homesick. Man, are you homesick for Jesus? Are you homesick for Jesus? Oh, the church is defined by her love for Christ. We've got to make sure that we, we grow that love. We grow in that love. We cultivate that love so that it may grow stronger and stronger. In verses 23 and 24, Paul wanted nothing more than for people to know the loving grace of Jesus Christ, to experience Christ's love for them, and to love Him in return. Oh, love Jesus. Dear friend, love Christ. A love for Christ is where it all begins. You can never know true love selfless sacrificial love without first experiencing the selfless sacrificial love of jesus christ for you look to christ surrender to his love fall in love with jesus today let the let love define the church now of course these four loves are really where our love should begin not end this is where our love begins not where it ends you should love godly leaders godly local church leaders you should love godly laborers you should love fellow christians and for goodness sake love our lord and savior jesus christ but these are the beginning of love for scripture instructs us to go beyond all of that to love the poor and the needy. Proverbs 31, 9. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Love them by defending their rights. Love them, care for them. Love your neighbor as yourself. And who is your neighbor? Anyone who is before you who has a need. To love the lost. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you to seek and to save the lost. We're to love the lost and take to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why as a church we say our mission is to love the world. Love the world. Love our world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not loving the things of the world. It's loving the people of the world by sharing with them the only hope they have, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And of course, to love even our enemies. We're called to love even our enemies. Matthew 5, 43, 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, we are to be defined by our love, love for God, love for one another, love for our world, love for our enemies. 
love for our neighbors. We are to be defined by love. Let the church be defined by love. I've shared this before, but it's such a great illustration. Roman Emperor Julius the Apostate, he had this one complaint about Christians. Why do we not observe that it is Christians, the Christians' benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and the pretended holiness of their lives that have done most to increase atheism? Now, atheism for him was a belief in uh, unbelief and the pagan gods of his day for it is disgraceful that when no jew ever has to beg and the impious christians support not only their own poor but ours as well as all men see that our people lack aid from us in other words it's disgraceful that those christians are known for their love to love more than we love let the church be defined by her love. Let the church be defined by her love. Love for God. Love for Jesus. Love for one another. Love for fellow Christians all around. And love for our world as we share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. Let the church be known for her love oh heavenly father we pray oh lord because we know our inability we know our fallibility and how easy it is for us to demonstrate other things besides love how we see so many christians getting caught up in the fights of this world and instead of demonstrating love, what they demonstrate seems more like hatred. But Lord, let that not be said of us. We pray that your Spirit would empower us, Lord, to love more, to love deeper, to love more thoroughly, to demonstrate your love to this world father help us to be defined by love and lord i do pray certainly lord there's there's those who are here are, are watching who who've never trusted in jesus who've never experienced your love through christ Oh, Father, I pray that you would give them a heart of flesh today. That they may experience your love. Surrender to your love. And love Christ today. Now, these things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.